Welcome to episode 10 of Swish Theory. My name is Chris Amundsen, hosting as always with my with my great friend, co-host, Mr. Laro Golden. Coach Golden, Coach Laro, Laro the legend. How you doing? Well, it has been, first I just want to say, it has been a little while since we've been on the microphone. Not intentionally, there's just been some wild stuff. I feel like it's happened every every Sunday night with our families for some reason. Uh, so it's it's been a little while, but I'm, I'm happy to be back and talking basketball. A lot has happened. We had the crazy trade deadline. Um, but I wanted to check in with you on a personal level, Laro. How you feeling? How are you doing? I'm, I've missed you a lot, and I'm just I'm just glad to, to get to hear your voice again. Man, um, man, uh, obviously I've missed you too, man. Like all the way back to you know Bulls one on one. I mean, this has been something we've always I've always looked forward to 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 doing because uh, and there's nothing more outside of family and stuff like that. Obviously, that I love doing and talking ball. Um, and, uh, so, you know, not having this for the last couple, you know, weeks, close to a month has been, it's been different. Um, but you know, things have happened to where I couldn't do it. And, um, but again, I'm happy to do it now. I mean, we have a great guest on, um, I can't, I, I'm just ready to get my thoughts off. I'm ready to kind of, you know, really just talk some ball, man, dig into the, dig into the weeds of a very fun team. Um, in the NBA right now because of one of the best stars in the league. So uh, I, I, I'm just ready to talk some ball. That's what we're here for. I've missed it, uh, but we're, we're back. As you mentioned, we have an incredible guest, a Swish Theory contributor and the co-host of our sister pod, the Finishing Touch pod, Mr. David Sajak. Welcome to Swish Theory and, well, welcome to our podcast and Swish Theory. And we're here today to talk about the Dallas Mavericks, your your hometown team. And we're just happy to have you, man. How have you been? I know we just finished with the trade deadline. So, you know, even before we get to the Mavericks, if you have any trade deadline thoughts or, or the craziness that happened there, uh, you know, let us know how you're feeling. Man, what a crazy trade deadline, like you said. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. This is my first time, like, guessing an episode. So it's going to be a fun one for sure. I'm excited to hear what you guys think of my Mavs. <laughs> Think a lot about them. Yeah, there's a lot going on with the Mavs. You said the crazy, the crazy deadline. The Mavericks had, I think, had one of the one of the more out of left field deadlines when Kyrie Irving made his trade request from the Brooklyn Nets, who were, I mean, they were just cooking until uh, even after KD's injury. But uh, obviously, that the failure to reach an extension with the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie led to that decision, and the Dallas Mavericks jumped right on it. They ended up trading. Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie and a, and a future first-round pick to get uh, to get Kyrie Irving back, as well as Markeith Morris. And the uh, team looks a little bit different. And I would say you guys have been clamoring a lot for Luka to get help. I'm not sure if this is exactly the move you had in mind. <laughs> um, but Kyrie Irving, his his talent on the court is undeniable. And, uh, you know, we, we saw him... In uh, their doubleheader against the Kings, he uh, he and Luca played. Uh, Kyrie and Luca played that second game together for the first time. It was really interesting to see them on the court, and I'm fascinated to see what they do this season. Uh, what did you think of the trade, David? Like, were you surprised that the Mavericks had interest, or that they pulled the trigger, or was this kind of like 
was there was the desperation um kind of more palpable on your end i kind of saw that they were linked to him but it was still a surprise that they got him because you know it's been about a decade or two of just the Mavs always being like they almost got this guy oh they almost traded for kobe they almost signed uh, deandre jordan but this time they finally uh got their guy um basketball wise i really like this trade because i've i've uh been a huge Kyrie uh fan of or a fan of his game throughout the years so i'm just excited to like see another guy I just like love to watch who play um and i think he's a really good fit next to Luca which we'll get into yeah I, um just on the Kyrie trade um i totally agree i, I in terms of a basketball just just totally basketball um and you know we got to make sure we 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 say that cuz you know anyway um but like uh like i just always wanted to see luca play with someone else that you know he had kp but that that was a little bit different you know big kind of you know ball handler but now he has a, a, a you know a secondary ball handler who obviously can be your primary guy uh and so it's like I've, I've I've wanted to see how they would vibe off each other, and I'm sure we're gonna definitely dig into it a little bit more of how they look, how they have looked. So, like, I was very interested to 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 see how it would go, and not only that, but like also like there were some rumblings about you know Luca being tough to play with, you know, and you know seeing how he would be open to how open he would be to being with another guy like Kyrie. So, um, I was it, you know it was very. Um, for me, very intriguing of uh, um, of a watch when I watch them, just to see how you know body language wise and stuff the kid has got them running. So I was very excited to see um, see the trade and see what it looks like after. Yeah, man, I I'm definitely excited to watch more of it. So far, we've only got one game, but I think there were a lot of positives there. Um, I think Luca's always said like the right things as far as playing with another dominant ball handler. He's always seemed willing to do it. It's just kind of never like came to fruition. I mean, obviously we had Brunson here last year, but I mean, a guy like Kyrie comes with like a whole different pedigree. Um, I think Luca will will definitely look to defer to him a little bit more than he would have with Brunson. And I'm, I'm just really excited to see more of what that looks like. Uh, first game, I think the returns were pretty good when Luca and Kyrie were on the court. I saw somewhere they had they they had a pretty good plus minus. I mean, obviously one game sample size plus minus doesn't mean anything, but they definitely look good out there. Yeah, it was it was fun to watch them that first game. Um, you know, it's going to probably be a little bit more of a your turn, my turn kind of thing as they feel each other out. But I think that chemistry is going to come. And as you said, Lucas played with other guys that can dribble and and create and pass things, but not not at the level of Kyrie and it's easier it's easier to convince a star to give up some of his usage rate to another star versus someone who's kind of up and coming and and I know Larry and I've talked about this a ton with Zach Levine like Zach Levine was kind of the people complained that he was a ball hog or that he was you know he uh, that he was going to be it was going to be tough to have him play with other stars and then as soon as DeMar DeRozan came in uh, it was like it was easy you know, because DeMar DeRozan was the same or better caliber of player. And it was just like, it just took a little time and then they started clicking. And, you know, Luca, Luca and Kyrie, I think, are obviously on, on a much higher tier 
on their offensive capabilities. And I think they're going to be really, really fun. The thing that's concerning is obviously that this could be a rental for the Mavericks. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about more of the long-term concerns about that. I think a little bit later in the podcast, but it's going to be really fun this season to see what they can do together. Um, the, the downside obviously is you lose one of your best defenders in Dorian Finney Smith and a guy who, you know, Luke has been on the record saying how much he likes him and how much he loves playing with him. Uh, one of his favorite teammates. So that's a tough loss from, you know, just a, a personnel standpoint and kind of running what you want to run defensively. And the maps have not been a great defensive unit this year uh, in a, in a big change from last year, which they were, they were much better last year. Um, and then obviously Spencer Dinwiddie, um, he, you know, he kind of served as that, as the Brunson replacement in, in a sense, and he's a great player, but Kyrie, I think is, is just a direct upgrade, um, to what Spencer could do on the court from an offensive standpoint. But I think that, yeah, the, the DFS loss is, stands a little bit larger in my mind, but what did you think about, what do you think about them kind of taking a step back on defense and, and kind of going all in more on offense with, with the loss of uh, Dorian Finney-Smith? Dodo's a huge fan favorite, so obviously that one hurts. Um, he's He was one of the longest tenured Mavericks, and he's just always had, like, a great attitude and energy to the game, and he's been a great guy off the court, too, like, helping around the community. So that was definitely a tough loss. Um, Basketball-wise, obviously, we're definitely lacking in, like, big wing depth. Um, We have Bullock, Josh Green, uh, Hardaway. They're all, like more two threes and like fours or anything. I guess we got Markeith Morris back, but he hasn't seen uh, any any of the court yet since coming over. Uh, but mainly just waiting for, for Maxi Kleba to come back. He's a big part of our defense. Um, been one of the most underrated defenders and players in the NBA. We were talking about that a little bit before the pod, uh, Chris. But uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just waiting to see what happens when Maxi gets back defensively. I, I still don't think we have the personnel to really be like, a great defensive team, but more minutes for green and then just adding uh, Maxi back into our lineups should help there a little bit. So that's what I'll be looking for defensively. Yeah, <clears throat> I totally uh, agree on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I really feel like uh, watching those games since Kyrie has been there, um, for, for instance, watching the Kings games, there was a lot of, uh, and I know the Kings are a very fast paced team. They're a team that has been together for, a, you know, since the beginning of the year. So they all are used to playing with each other. So it's a kind of a tough, uh, it's kind of tough for the maps, you know, a team that's kind of just started playing with each other with the new, uh, new additions and things like that. But there were times in transition where guys were getting lost and, I think you missed that that kind of communicator on the back end or, or on that team like that I, I've seen DFS be at times. Um, and again, like you said, the the big wing, big wing. And I, th- I thought that there were times where, you know, Bullock or, or Tim Hardaway Jr. were playing good defense, but it just at, at the point where they were just a little bit too small and a lot of, you know, Harrison Barnes with a strength creation kind of just was just a little bit too much for those guys at points. And um, so – that is definitely something that has stuck out to me is, you know, like you said, the big wing, um, somebody that can really guard that wing. And, you know, to to Kyrie's credit as well, like he is, it seems like he's been trying to give good effort 
um, on that end as well since he's been back. Like I saw, you know, him rotate as the low man and get a block. And I'm like, okay, all right, Kyrie, I see you, you know? So, I mean, uh, can I just say, I mean, I, I know it's very tough to, to because Kyrie is wishy-washy, okay? You know, but like, I just want to say, I feel like he's had the right mindset since he's been with the Mavs so far, like on both sides of the ball. You know, and I, I mean, again, it's encouraging, but for a grain of, grain of salt. Um, but um, yeah, in terms of the defense, like I really, I really, really thought that that's what it is, is, is that you need a that big wing and, and Maxi coming back is huge. And, um, you know, like I, I think that there was a point in the game where they started with Dwight Powell. And again, we'll get in offensively. I, I really, really like Dwight Powell. But um, and they were kind of switching everything. And then they brought in JaVel McGee and it was kind of like funneling guys to JaVel and in, 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 um, using his size. And I thought that they played a little bit better defense that way. Um, but I think like, again, going back to what you said with Maxi coming back, I think that that they'll be able to play a little bit better in that other kind of style as well uh, with Dwight and Maxie, them being able to switch and still have that size and kind of being able to handle some of the bigger wings. Um, so I, I do think, like Chris has said, like I think Maxie coming back will be huge and um, he'll slot right, right in and be that ingredient that this team needs to get cooking a little bit, a little, a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball. Now, speaking of cooking, there's there's been some additional real estate being built on Josh Green Island. We were talking about this before we started recording, but I think people in general are just way too impatient with with young players. Um, and we always have this idea of this person because they were picked at this spot should progress in this way. And that's just almost never the case. And I don't know why we continue with the idiocy of of thinking that way. Um, but you know, I, I, I stumble into that as well. Sometimes of like, Hey, this guy was picked this, you know, or he's had this much experience or these many reps. Um, but you know, it's not linear and it's, you know, it's, it's up and down and you're hoping that the ups and downs are slowly getting <laughs> higher and higher instead of lower and lower. But Josh Green, I think has really taken off this year. He's really taken a, a leap on both ends. Um, and David, you know, you talked about his minutes increasing being something you want to see uh, down the stretch of the season. I just wanted to give you a chance to show Josh Green some love and what you've seen from him this season that's impressed you. I love Josh Green. Uh, if if there's anybody that's listened to the Finishing Touch podcast at all, you, you'll hear me and Tyler give him his flowers a lot of the times. But uh, yeah, man, I just feel like the previous two years, it was always just a confidence thing with him. Like the flashes were definitely there. Uh, he was, he's always, he's always been a good defender. Uh, he's always been really decisive with the ball. Sometimes uh, um, a little too quick to make his decisions, even like a little jittery. Uh, but this year it's really like all come together for him. He, his, uh, he's a lot more confident in his shot. Um, coming into the year, I kind of noticed like, right away that the transfer energy looked much, much better. I noted that in the scouting report I did for him. And uh, yeah, he's just, he's he's becoming the perfect connector for the Mavs. I'm just really happy to see it. I gotta be honest, man. I get really, really envious of teams that allow their young guys 
to play through ups and downs a little bit and um, allow them to learn from mistakes, uh, put the ball in their hands a little bit and see what they can do. Um, and, you, you know, what do you know? You know, your, your guy starts to show some consistent, uh, you know, improvement. Um, and so, like, with Josh Green, uh, you know, watching him against uh, the Kings uh, the other night, him bringing the ball up, initiating some of the offense a little, you know, sometimes, you know, him consistently being, a, uh, uh, you know, knocking down that corner three. Um, and like you said, like I remember watching last season, he, he may have an open shot and he, it was almost like he was second guessing himself a little bit. And now he was letting that thing fly. I mean, you know, I mean, the first three he took in that game, it was, it was a little bit off. But after that, like it's like he forgot about that first three and he just kept kept letting it go. And um, it's really cool because, I mean, the stuff that the that the Mavs were running with, like the, their horn stuff and emptying that backside out, making that low man, putting that low man in conflict. And having to choose if they want to stay with with Josh and and obviously like you know even me you know if I was in the uh, on the coaching staff I would say leave Josh you know because you know he's knocking it down but you know you want to see it consistently so of course you're gonna just you know protect the rim and um and he's make he made them pay uh, a ton you know and not only is he knocking down the three but now you add in that explosive. Uh, you know, being able to attack the closeout and he's going to put it on your head if you give him enough, enough room um, and, you know, finishing through contact the other night. I'm just, I mean, what, you know, I haven't even talked about defensively. I mean, it's just like Josh Green is fun and it's really cool to, like I said at the beginning, to really see uh, organization kind of like, uh, you know, in, instill that confidence. Like, hey, we drafted you. We believe in you um and the coaching staff you know putting them in positions to succeed because ultimately that's what coaching really is man like you can be an x and o guy you can be the smartest guy on the floor uh but if you don't know how to put your players in the right position to succeed i mean what are you there for and so um that that's what they've been doing with josh and he's just been really uh taken off man so hats off to josh green man and uh i'm just happy for the guy man i'm happy for him you guys both mentioned this I think a lot of these players have athleticism, um, but it's more flash than function sometimes. And as they get older and as they kind of uh, integrate themselves into the NBA, they start to, they start to, as you said, the energy transfer or like they, they start to kind of develop and fine tune their athleticism into something that's functional, something that results in free throws or getting to the rim more or, um, you know, pump fakes, things like that, or, or on, on defense, right? Like their timing improves and you've kind of seen Josh put that together because he's athletic, but the athleticism has, is much more purposeful, I think, than it, than it has been in the past. And, and both of you guys mentioned that. So something I wanted to point out that it's, it's fun to see that, um, it's kind of, you know, it's like watching a toddler like, at first they're just walking and it's like, Hey, I can walk, like I can do all these things. And then all of a sudden, they're jumping and they're running and you kind of see that I've got, I've got a five and a three year old. So that's why I'm watching this right now, but uh, you just see how they're fine tuning those motor skills and that athleticism into something that's going to benefit them. And it's just, it's really fun to see. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to, I know I'm, I'm getting off off script here a little bit, but I wanted to ask about Jaden Hardy, who's a rookie 
uh, who was who was a second round pick. Um, wait, is it? I think he's a rookie. Am I am I wrong? I think this is his first year. Um, let me no, know. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to see if you've seen that with Jaden Hardy's athleticism. Is it still kind of flash, or, or have you seen him kind of convert it into function? I'd say it's definitely functional in the open court so far. Uh, that's one of the things that they've been doing a lot more, uh, especially since the trade is just like getting out in transition, or since Luca has been out basically. Um, and and they've been they've really made an effort last game to continue that even with Luca on the court. Uh, just getting out more in transition with Kyrie, Josh Green, Jay and Hardy. Uh, they're all obviously able to push in transition. So I'd say it's definitely functional there. Um, in the half court, is definitely still a work in progress, I'd say. Um, he'll get to the rim sometimes and just like – or well, the finishing has definitely improved so far. He, he's, he's improved from the G, uh, his finishing. But I think he'll just continue to, to get better, like you said functionally the athleticism will uh will it will improve yeah i i I totally agree i mean david david is is a beast at this evaluation stuff man so i mean i i agree with what he's saying and i think at least you know statistically I, i feel like february so far has been pretty good for him um you know so it i think that's a big thing for especially for a rookie is start to see some type of success you know uh and it could just continue to it can just help you continue to fight uh, to 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 stay afloat until you can latch on to something that, you know, whether it's a, a particular set or whether it's a an, uh, an action um, and you just build step by step until um, you get to the point where you, you, you should be. And so it's really cool to see Jaden. Um, like Kyrie was driving, you know, kicking to him and he was getting some shots and I didn't, I think for, you know, for Jaden, he's just got to stay with it, you know, because the, the, the talent is there. Um, everybody that knows Jaden knows he's, he can shoot the ball and he, he, he has a little bit more to his game than just being only a shooter. So it's just all about just staying confident in himself. And um, I'm pretty sure with, you know, uh, being on the floor, Kyrie and Luca. At some point, you know things are going to click for him. The game's going to get easier for him. It's going to continue to slow down for him. Um, and like I said, I think February in these six games, uh, what is he at? 10, 10 points on seventy percent true shooting in in, in these six games. Um, so it, it, I mean, it's going to get better for him. I feel like I feel like it's going to slow down a little bit more for him. So uh, I, I agree with you on everything you just said, Dave. David. Yeah, I'm very high on his future. Uh, one thing about Hardy that he kind of had over Green is that his confidence has never seemed to waver. He's a very confident guy. Like you said, he's already a super high-level shooter. So just that that baseline of skill already gives him a pretty high floor in that regard. And then obviously just like the on-ball creation flashes and then what, what he can do with the ball in his hands gives even more of like a optimistic outlook for his future. I think one of the most important things for the Mavericks and we'll talk about kind of their future situation and and their roster and the talent, their overall talent in the roster. They are going to like the development of Jaden Hardy and Josh Green is going to be essential for this roster to compete in the future. You know, they've the the Mavericks have had a difficult time, you know, getting free agents, getting people to play with Luca. They've, you know, had some hits and misses with, uh, spending assets on different things, and now they're they've taken another kind of big leap here with Kyrie. So guys like Josh Green, 
uh, and Jaden Hardy really have to hit and really have to kind of uh, come into their own pretty quickly uh, for Lucas. So it's really nice to see that that they're already on their way and that they're kind of making those leaps because I think not only is it uh, nice to see, but I think it's also really important for the Mavericks to do that. And I wanted to kind of transition into talking about Luca and the trend and the changes that he's going to have to make now with the current uh, players on the roster, especially the addition of Kyrie and the emergence of Green and and Hardy. I know we talked a little bit before we started recording, but talking about getting Luca off ball and what the Mavericks and Jason Kidd are doing to kind of get him com- more comfortable doing that role. I know he's done it on occasion, but doing it on a more consistent basis and doing it next to someone that's such a high-level creator uh, and, and and that draws so much attention like a, like a guy in Kyrie does. So, David, what have you seen from Jason Kidd and and uh, and Luca in those efforts? Yeah, I think there's going to be an adjustment period for sure. Uh, Luca really hasn't played off the ball since his rookie year and then going back to Real Madrid some. So I think he's going to take some adjustments, but uh, I'm not a huge X's and O's guy. Like that's obviously Lero's um, field, but I have seen that they've run more like delay actions with Powell um, to get like off ball looks for Luca. Um, they'll have Kyrie or Josh Green bring it up, Jay and Hardy sometimes, and uh, just like adding more wrinkles. So it's not so the offense is a little bit less predictable than just like okay luca's gonna bring it up he's gonna run spread pick and roll high pick and roll uh just adding little wrinkles and keeping the defense a little bit more honest um yeah that's 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 how that's what i'm looking for yeah no i you know and here's the deal like even joe uh shout out joe holbert um like it's it's the same thing. Like as long as you are, can tell, like as long as you can explain what they're trying to do, um, who they're trying to get the ball to, like, honestly, that's what really matters, man. I mean, like the whole, knowing the name of sets or whatever is whatever, you know, but like you said, like them trying to get into more of a flow action. Um, it's totally true right and like you said they're they're moving luca around more and and not just you know having to walk the ball up and then you know run you know fist or a middle pick and roll and let them read off of that or like for instance they ran they had uh um jaden hardy uh bring the ball up and they had uh luca come off uh zoom action which is basically a stagger away um and Chicago, if you want to think about it that way, like uh, pinned down into a DHO, he comes off and now, you know, that second screener rolls and it's just, like you said, putting defenses like, well, hold on, we ain't do this before. What what the hell? Now we got to worry about Luca like coming off a a screen with full momentum and, and, you know, how we rotating off of that. Like, you know, there were some times where, you know, they'd run a horn set and Luca would pop out horns into chin and now they're running kind of you know you know flare actions and stuff like that and it's just it's it's really cool to see that because you have like yes luca is a wonderful ball handler he's someone that reads the floors rapidly fast and um, he'll make you pay that's one thing but like at some point you know a defense is going to be able to kind of take away the certain things that uh the easy reads the hard read like they'll be able to know kind of like uh 
uh, predetermine what you may uh, do off of certain, you know, uh, depending on what they're trying to do defensively. And so like being able to put him in different spots on the floor that makes your defense have to worry a little bit. So, you know, he's not just a ball handler. He's a guy, he's a very good passer. He can also attack a closeout. He can post up. He can be a screener with a big body. He is so them using him in chin and um, them using him in, uh, you know, in horns as a screener, like the, these are all really, really cool things. And to be honest with you, for him to be able for him to already be willing to do these different things says a lot about uh, him as a player. Uh, to me, it says that, Hey, like I want to win. I don't care what it, what it takes. Um, if I want to, if I have to be a screener, if I have to, you know, run off, a, you know, run off these staggered screens, whatever it is, I just want to win. And so like, uh, to me, that's what that says. Um, but I, all in all, like, yes, you're right. They're, they're running more flow stuff, more, you know, dribble weaves into, you know, pick and rolls, um, Chicago, uh, different horn sets. I, I think I, counted maybe six or seven different horn sets that they did it's like they're jason kidd is definitely trying to mix it up and put guys in the right position and kind of put luca in different spots on the floor to make it harder for the defense to key in so um yeah david i mean i totally agree with what you've been seeing also i think you you talked about this Lero, but Luca's cognitive athleticism on the offensive end is otherworldly. He he's just a special, special thinker on the court. And we've seen we've seen Luca pick apart defenses. Like a, he'll he'll they'll play a coverage and like within a play or two, like he's already figured it out how to beat that coverage. Like he just, you know, he and Jokic are just some of the best thinkers on the offensive end, I think, in the NBA and and not just currently but i think generationally just brilliant brilliant on the court they're they're um you know their spatial recognition and processing speed is just super super high and so you already have a guy who is just an elite the elite of the elite at figure at picking apart defenses and now you give him more weapons you see you know josh green and Jaden hardy's emergence you, you add Kyrie, who also is a really you know, high level has high level spatial awareness and his dribbling and, and, you know, his ball control is just phenomenal where he can get to spots and throw passes and just do things on the court that just not a lot of players can do. There's like, you know, less than five guys that can do anything near what Kyrie can do on the court. And now you put two of them together. That's, that's a huge, that's a great base to start with. Uh, you know, two of the, just the best offensive players in the generation uh, of offensive players in the NBA. And secondly, uh, I think this is what I was thinking of, Laro. Luca just wants to win. You've seen him put it all on his shoulders, not because he's selfish, but because he thinks I have to do it. Like, this is what is required of me to win. And having a guy like Kyrie... I think we're going to see more off-ball Luca, not because it's scheduled, not because it's not because the coaches are wanting it. I think it's just going to make the most sense for winning basketball games. And so I'm not super worried about it. I think it's going to be really fun to kind of watch that. Um, you know, Jason Kidd obviously needs to put them in the right positions. And, and you know, coaches are getting a lot better these days at not just running an action, but disguising the action that they want to run. 
and putting guys in position where they're the screener when they're not usually the screener or putting guys in the, you know, doing inverse pick and rolls, uh, that kind of thing. So, and they've got guys that can do that. Not just Kyrie, not just Luca, but you've, you know, you've seen Josh Green get, get some more on ball opportunities. Um, Laro and, and David, you mentioned the delay action with Dwight Powell. So there's, there's opportunities for them to do that. And there's a guy we haven't talked about yet actually is Christian Wood and what he brings to the table on offense. So Laro, <laughs> Laro's already getting ready to talk here. So Laro, I actually want to start with you on Christian Wood. What have you seen? What have you seen with Christian Wood this year? And, and how do you think he's been able to help and how do you think he can help down the stretch run? Because I think Christian Wood's future on the team is not necessarily uh, in stone right now. So what do you think he can bring to the table wall for the rest of the season? Well, uh, first of all, let me just say like the, the face that I was making was more towards the now. Okay. I, I watch Maverick games every now and then, but since, you know, we're going to have this, we wanted to make this part about Dallas. Like we, I wanted to kind of watch them a little bit more in depth and let me tell you, like Christian Wood is talented offensively. Like he's a really good pick and roll. I mean, like the things you could do with him and Kyrie, him and Luca, they've already done well. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, cool. Like, yeah, he's 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 a good offensive piece. But my God, man, the defensive side of the ball with Christian Wood, like, is I mean, I don't even. There was a. T- Gosh. Okay. So I was watching the the Kings game, the the second one, the second Kings game, and he 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 pick and pop. He takes the three. He misses it. I think he thought he got fouled. He kind of jogs back. Yeah. And I'm like, what is that? Now I see what Jason Kidd is like. Think like Jason Kidd is in a rock and a hard place because he's like, this dude helps me offensively. He's 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 really good piece offensively. But then you look on the defensive side of the ball, and you're like, "There's got to be more effort in your bones. Like there, there has to be. Uh, I don't want to be that guy, but like it's just you know some of the effort things I saw from him was kind of crazy. I, I, I saw he got a block, and then it's like he celebrated like, "Hey, y'all saw that? I got a block. Like, did you see that? Like, it was like." What is going on? Like, I, he, I don't even know. So as someone that is not a, a, a avid um, Dallas Maverick, uh, Dallas Mavericks game watcher, like, David, I got to pick your brain, man. I need to know how you feel about Christian Wood. Like, I know I know offensively he's a good player. Um, he's, he could be a really fun player in pick and roll, especially. But, like, I need to, I need, I need to kind of pick your brain, man. Like, I need your scouting report on him defensively. You know what you've seen since he's been a Maverick, or even more recently. You know, like I just, ah, I'll shut up, man. I, I just want to hear you, man. I, I need to hear it. Man, I'm still trying to figure out Christian with myself, man. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, like you said, offensively, like he's he's perfect, especially next to Luca. Pick and pops, great. He's a great roller. I think he's the him and Luca like the number one in terms of efficiency, pick and roll, duo in the entire league. But, um, yeah, he has, like, stretches of, like, waning defensive effort. And, like, there was a – there was a, he had a good stretch there a couple weeks before his injury, maybe during the win streak, where he, he really looked to be 
give him more effort on the defensive end, and it was starting to make a difference. Um, since since he's come back from his injury, his minutes have have really gone down. Um, I think only 18 minutes a game now, and obviously his name was circulating in trade rumors. So I don't know if the defensive effort is kind of a reflection of that. I mean, he, he hasn't been like a consistently positive defender throughout the entire season. So that was never really a strength in his game, but yeah, I, I just, it's going to be hard to count on him defensively. And I guess you kind of have to just look at him as a, as a guy that can just get you buckets sometimes if you need him, which how often are we going to need him if we have Luke and Kyrie out there all the time? So. Yeah, I think, I think, bigs that lack defense are in kind of a really tough spot at all times. Like you can't, you can't build a really credible defense around them. And it's, it's so much easier to, to be fine with a, a guard that doesn't defend very well. But when it's a big, when it's, that's your anchor and the anchors doing this, it just becomes really difficult to get where you want to go. It, it limits your ceiling so much in not only the type of coverages that you can play with that big, on the defensive end, but just the fact that, you know, especially if it's an effort thing, like that's where it really gets, really gets bad. And so with Christian Wood, it's, it's been iffy and uh, you know, it it surprised me that he did not get traded. I'd I'd heard kind of from around that, that they were very open to doing so and that they, you know, that they're, he's probably not in the Mavericks long-term, long-term plans. And it, I honestly think that's probably the right call. They they have to find someone that's a better rim protector, that's a better just defender in general. It's really difficult to to build your your team around it. But you know, offensively, he's been he's been really phenomenal this year. And both of you have mentioned this, but I'm interested to see how that changes now that you've upgraded the offense with Kyrie. How much of an afterthought? Christian Wood becomes. I think he's still really valuable. You know, bench bigs that can score are really valuable, um, but you can't have him be your starter. And, and you've seen the reluctance of the Mavericks to start Christian Wood until they're kind of basically forced to at some point in the season. They don't really have much choice. But ideally, that he's he would be coming off your bench. And you know, I don't know if that's ideal for him and his contractual situation. If that's really what he wants to do long term. So I I think that they're going to be at an impasse uh, in the off season. I, I doubt that relationship is going to continue, but for this season and for a potential playoff run, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with, uh, with, with Christian Wood, you know, cause I think I think the one thing I think, and I know it's a super cliche, but it's like, who's going to stop these guys on, on offense. They're like, these guys are potent offensively and they've really done a good job. Of, of um of putting guys around Luca now that it's gonna be hard to stop. And you know, maybe you just lean that hard into offense and just hope that, you know, just just dare someone outscore you basically. <laughs> and it might you know what? That might not be such a bad gamble for for a playoff situation. If you got Luca in the playoffs, you're already in a really good spot, uh, no matter who else is on the team. But I, I think that they they've got they're gonna be really fun to watch. I I, I really hope that they get a a really good, a solid playoff, uh, playoff seed, so we can watch some Luca magic next to Kyrie, next to Christian, next to Josh and and Jaden Hardy. Um, I wanted to kind of transition, unless you guys had other thoughts on that, to just the, the other supporting cast that, that you know the rotation players: Jabel McGee, Dwight Powell, 
Tim Hardaway Jr., Davis Breton, sometimes uh, Reggie Bullock. Um, you know, we're waiting on the return of Maxi Kleba, who might be coming back faster than I've ever seen from a torn hamstring. Uh, I partially tore my hamstring. And let me tell you, that was not fun. I could not walk for like three or four days. <laughs> I couldn't walk. And so for Maxi Kleba to do what he did and to be coming back is honestly a little bit mind-blowing for me. But um, as far as the, the rest of the supporting cast, do you think that they've done enough this year? Uh, or, or you know, and if if so, who has? And if not, you know, what, what needs to change? I know it's kind of a, a weird question, but like I just want to get your thoughts on the supporting cast in general um, other than the guys that we've talked about. Um, as far as doing enough, uh, I find it, I, it's just kind of hard for me to even blame them for like not doing enough. Cause it's, it's more so an indictment of like the roster construction than like asking them to do more, you know? So, but yeah, uh, a lot of them are kind of have been limited at least offensively. Like for example, Reggie Bullock, if the three is not going down, like he, he can't really do much for you offensively. He's not really a guy that's going to be attacking closeouts or providing anything else of, like, significant value. And it's kind of tough with him because he always start. He, he's consistently throughout his career started off seasons extremely cold from three. I think he's, like, 29% before December throughout his career from three. So it, it was it was a pretty brutal start this year. Uh, it was hard to watch. But he's been he's turned it around of late. He's been really hot. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. He's one of the guys that that can put the ball a little, uh, put the ball on the floor a little bit more, but then the shot selection is pretty frustrating. Um, yeah, the efficiency hasn't been great this year at all. Uh, whenever Carlisle was here, it felt like he kind of reeled that that part of him in, and he really found a spot on the team. But it's been a little bit downhill since his injury. Uh, obviously, he can still get hot too. Um, Bertans defensively is kind of a mess, but he can get hot again. We got a lot of guys that can get hot. So, you know, that shooting variance could, could definitely help in the playoffs. Uh, who else did you mention? Uh, Kleba. I, I love Kleba. Defensively, yeah. he's extremely good. The only thing I'm worried about is, like, are his legs going to go out? Um, I feel like he's slowly started to go on the decline athletically and that's hurt a little bit on the defensive end but he's he's still been good and then shooting wise i think it's probably hurt the most he's he went from like around 40 percent and four attempts per game a couple years back to to a little bit on the lower side i don't know what is i can look it up real quick but last year he's at 31 percent, i think and this year yeah he's at 37 percent on lower volume than it used to be so that's a little bit that's my concern for him is how quickly can he, can he find his legs or if he can find them back at all? Um, was there anybody else that you mentioned supporting cast wise? Yeah. Uh, Dwight Powell and JaVale McGee, okay, you know, okay. and in the front court, like how I know yeah. Dwight Powell has been kind of a lightning rod over the years. So yeah. <laughs> people who either love him or hate him. Yeah. So Dwight, for me, it's been kind of similar, like a roller. Cause like, uh early on I, I didn't really uh enjoy his minutes on the court um i feel like his his lack of rim protection kind of leads to everybody just 
assuming he's a bad defender, but I think over time I've come to realize he he brings some other things of value defensively. And when you can put a rim protector or, or like a good weak side guy on the floor with him, like Maxi, I mean, he can, he can thrive a little bit. Um, obviously, offensively, he has great chemistry with Luca. Uh, he's as I mentioned, number one in the league in off and the pick and roll efficiency was Luca and Seawood. Number two is Luca and Dwight Powell. So uh, he's still bringing good things as a as a lob threat, and he can show it. He can play at the level of screens. He's not offering rim protection, but he can at least move his feet out there. Uh, JaVale McGee has been interesting uh, to start the year. It was pretty rough. We gave him a pretty big contract, too. So Mavs fans were definitely not happy about that on Mavs Twitter. Um, of late, he's been better. Uh, the engagement looks to have increased, especially, especially since the Kyrie trade. Jason Kidd actually mentioned that, that how the Kyrie trade seemed to have, like, re-energized some of the players, and he mentioned JaVale McGee uh, as one of them. And he's actually seemed to like leapfrog C Wood in the, the front court rotation. He comes in the game earlier. I think he's been getting more minutes of late. But yeah, I think he can he can provide some valuable minutes. I mean, the theoretical version of JaVale McGee is somewhat enticing. So uh I, I think he can bring some 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 good things to Dallas. <laughs> but uh yeah, those are my thoughts on the supporting cast. Uh, Larry, I'll let you go in a second. I just wanted to say that that was funny that you said the theoretical version because I feel like you've got all the supporting cast has a lot of theoretical version kind of to it. Like they get hot or they're super cold, and it's like if they're if they're rolling, they're really good. If not, it's like it can it can be a train wreck pretty quickly. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I think David hit on something as well or uh, earlier in his response is like you know it's tough because of roster construction. Uh, because I I was looking out there and I was seeing Theo Pinson getting minutes. I'm like, oh my goodness, Theo Pinson? Like, <laughs> he's getting minutes. But um, but no, but I, I think I think one of the things that uh will help the Mavs bef- you know, hopefully as they keep going, is that some of these guys are getting shots, you know, more consistently that they may not they may not be used to right now. And they, they have to get used to it because Teams are going to show more attention to Kyrie. Teams are going to sh- continue to show that, that attention to Luka. So they're going to need Josh Green to keep taking those threes with more confidence and continuing to be a threat from the corner. They're going to need JaVel McGee to, to be to, to roll to that basket hard as hell to, to keep that low man, uh, you know, put him continuing to make him squeeze on that, that rim or, you know, either, you know, open up that corner or open, you know, whatever he does, re, uh, opens up that lob, you know, Dwight Powell getting into more of the DHO stuff. And, and I mean, that guy, I mean, watching that guy run that DA run, run some, you know, delay and, and more so comfortable in DHO actions. And um, like, I think that is going to be so fun to watch with the Mavs uh, going forward with, especially, when you know at first like you know dwight powell you try to get into a dho and they top block luca and you turn around you're like okay who am i going to get into the dho with now like now it's like okay come on Kyrie. like it's like now we could kind of as a defense you got to be worried you're like well, oh shit. okay do we top block luca or do we do what we got you know so it, it, it's i think that is also part of why some of these guys are uh, like coach kid has said 
is, is has shown a little bit more juice and a little bit more activity is because now they know that oh crap now you know because it used to be like well if luca doesn't make a play for me well i i may not get the ball now it's like okay we got another dog now you know so I got to make sure I'm on my P's and Q's because if I'm open, I'm going to get the ball in, in hell. Like you just, it's, I think it just makes sense why they have more activity and they're more active. There's more juice because now they have two dogs on the floor. And if everybody's doing the right things and spacing the floor the right way, they're going to get open shots. And I mean, honestly, I mean, think about it yourselves, you know, you're on the basketball team, right. And before trade deadline, it's like, uh, I don't really get shots, so whatever. You know, Luca doesn't get me the shot. You know, he's our best offense, so you know, I guess I'll just stand over here in the corner and hopefully I get something. You know, and then fast forward to you're still on the team, and now you got another guy that can get you a shot. You gonna be super energized, like, okay, let me set this ball screen, or let me let me space this floor because now I know that there's a there's a higher chance, higher possibility of me being a little bit more. Uh, if I'm open, I may get the ball because my guy is gonna have to help if I'm in the action. You know, they're not. You know, they're not gonna stay on me. <laughs> they going They gonna go on Kyrie. So now it's about you know. That. So at the end of the day, um, it just makes sense. But uh, I just want to give you know some shouts out to Dwight Powell because I, that is one of the things I'm gonna continue to to watch is you know his you know how the, the synergy between those three and that dho um kind of you know the dribble weave stuff the chicago stuff the the horn stuff and just the, the chin action stuff like just different things they're going to be able to do with him now um and they can have both Kyrie and luca off the ball for just a tad bit until they get into a different action like chris said before um you know a lot of coaches nowadays you you run a dummy action to get to the action you want to get to so now like you can do that a little bit more uh with a guy like Dwight Powell doing that and also having Kyrie off ball so I'm honestly man I'm excited for the Mavs going forward in terms of like playoff basketball atmosphere because the game slows down a little bit and you got two chess pieces on the board that not many teams have so um it's gonna be fun I think you know yeah David, what what do you think if we if we look at the future here for an upcoming playoff run? Um, what are you excited to see in the playoffs for the Mavs? And you know, should should people be excited about the Mavs in the playoffs this year? I'm just excited to see what what it looks like to have a guy of Kyrie's caliber next to Luca in the playoffs. Because I mean, you you know you know what he, you saw what he did last year with, without that high caliber play. I mean, Brunson was great. He was amazing. But I think Kyrie's, like I mentioned earlier, just like a, a whole nother ball game with him out there. Um, I need my Mavs Suns rematch. I'm excited to see that. <laughs> um, I, I would agree with you there. But especially yeah, they, they had a little addition over there in in, uh, in Phoenix that I think would be exciting to watch too. Yeah. Small addition, but <laughs> yeah, that's good. That would be a fun series for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm just excited to see what we look like in the playoffs. I'm excited to see how how some of the young guys can can manage uh, mentally. Uh, I want to see if Josh Green can continue to play with confidence. I think that's going to be a big thing for him. There's usually an adjustment for for younger players in the playoffs like that. Um, and and yeah, just moving on to next year, uh, we'll see if Kyrie was just a rental or not. But then after this draft, we'll have after our 2023 pick conveys to New York. We'll have full access to 2024, 25, 26, and 27 first round picks. So 
there's more flexibility to make a move there. So I feel like the future went from pretty bleak before the trade deadline to looking a little brighter now. So I'm just, I don't know. It's like my, my, uh, not like fandom, but like I'm more invested now. Like it was a little bit doom and gloom there for a little bit, but I don't know. Things are looking up. I hope that things don't crash and burn, uh, like some predict with Kyrie. Um, I'm optimistic, but obviously it's just like a wait and see thing. When this season is over with the trades and stuff like that happening and, you know, what is your, what would you be happy with? You know, like, obviously I don't think they're built enough to go fight for a title, but like, what would you be happy with at the end of the day when the season is done? Uh, I think it depends on matchups uh, in the playoffs partly, but obviously uh, a um, conference final repeat would be nice. Uh, if it's second round and we lose to the Suns or the Nuggets with how they've been playing, Grizzlies maybe, I mean, I wouldn't be mad depending on like process and how things went down. But uh, yeah, I think we can make noise in the playoffs for sure. So just, just looking to see if we can make noise. I know the depth isn't really there. We talked about the big wing position. Uh, defensively, I don't think we're at the level that you need to be at to really contend for a championship. But but yeah, just seeing like fight um, and, and making noise in the playoffs, moving on to next year, see if we can make a move in the summer, like I mentioned, and uh, just moving from there. David, you said you know you're you're not quite sure that they're built for contention right now that they're missing pieces. What's what's the position or the skill set that you think would get you to that level? Like what is it? That, hey, we're missing this piece. We're missing if even if it's a specific guy or just kind of like a, a skill set that you're looking that you think the team lacks still. I really think it it comes down to that big wing position again, uh, at least depth wise. Um, I've we might see Frank Nilakina minutes at the four. I mean, it, it's gonna, it, it's not great right now. Uh, he smokes. I, I, yeah, I kind of want to see what uh, Morris looks like because I mean, if you can get something out of him, that would be pretty big. Um, but yeah, losing Dodo there definitely hurts. Um, as far as targets go, um, OG is intriguing. I just think the price tag is really high for him. So I don't know. Maybe it stabilizes a little bit in the summer, but yeah, I, I have to dig in more to like look at different targets. But I mean, and if Pascal's on the market anytime, I mean, go get him. So, <laughs> but Ooh, if you think yeah. OG price is high, <laughs> it's it was right. it was funny to see like the co people collectively losing their minds on the the prices that were being reported for the Raptors players. I'm like. OG Ananobi's worth three unprotected first. Like, what world are we living? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I thought it was a little bit crazy, and it was kind of funny that the Raptors didn't end up moving any of the guys. It's like maybe they're just delusional about the trade value of their players as as their fans are. Um, shout out Raptors fans who are the most rabid fan base <laughs> in the NBA at this point. Um, OG is a great player, but yeah, that's the kind of mold of a guy that you want, right? That that kind of switchable big defender that can that can defend you know because you still got guys like lebron Kawhi, pg you know these big wings that 
You know, no one's going to stop them. And now you got KD in, in, in the Western Conference too. No one's going to stop those guys, but having credible threats on defense makes it easy to, you know, to just run your run your defensive actions and, and your scheme. And, you know, the less time you have to double a guy or, or send help in general, like the better you're going to be. And um, yeah, to me, I would agree. I think, I think that, you know, if you could get like a really, really quality rim protector, that would help a little bit because you could be a little bit more aggressive on the, on the perimeter. Um, but that big wing, I think would be, would be key. It's, it's funny. You just sent Dodo out, but having Dodo there would be really, really nice. Yeah. I also, yeah. Like David also, he brought him up is that the Morris, the Morris brother, like if there is just, if he has enough, just a, just something left in there, a little bit left in the tank. Like I think that would help a ton too. Cause he's shooting what 40% from three. So it's like, even him, man, be, that would be huge for them. <laughs> like, so, um, I mean, I, I remember watching the game. Um, I think it was Kyrie's first game with the Mavs and you see him sitting next to uh, the coaching staff. And it's like, you know, I'm just wondering like, if, you know, when, when is he going to come in? Is it, you know, him trying to get his conditioning up or something. I don't know what it is that that he hasn't been playing yet, but um, I would like to see him play and see see what he has left. If he can kind of bang still with the the big wings a bit, or uh, no, I'm, I'm not. I don't think the stroke has gone anywhere. But like in terms of defensively, um, I would like to see where he's at at least. You know, and hopefully soon, um, because if you can ease Maxi back a little bit and not have to like throw him right in. Um, you know, that, that would help in about time playoff times come, uh, you know, knock on wood for, uh, you know, health, you know, you'll have Maxi and, and, and Mar- Marcus, uh, Marquise, I'm sorry, um, to be that big wing, you know, uh, defender. So, yeah, man, I mean, you know, like, I, like, like I said, man, I, I'm just going to keep watching this Mavs team because I mean, they're two of the most fun players to watch. Um, you know, I mean, I, I can't. I, I'm not even a Mavs fan, and obviously, uh, I, I'm excited to watch them. I mean, it, you know, it kind of, and I know that uh, they're two different players, and you know, but like Luca, just uh, it kind of re- reminds me like Kyrie being back with LeBron in a way. Like it, 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 it I want to see it again, you know, because I feel like you know, as much I'm a Bulls fan, and as much as I despise that Cleveland team those Cleveland teams, like it was fun to see both, you know, Kyrie play off of LeBron. Um, and I think that Luca definitely has some similarities to LeBron. So if anybody can, you know, seamless, seamlessly fit with Luca, it would be Kyrie in my opinion, because he's already played with somebody with that type of skill set. So I, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. The, the Mavs are going to be must watch television in the playoffs it just the things that luca does with the ball out of anyone in the nba right now i think luca has the best chance to have a lebron like career uh, maybe maybe that's crazy to say because lebron is you know top two um, and arguably one for a lot of people of all time but like luca is that good uh he's got the size and just the the skill and smarts like he's just he's an incredible basketball player to watch and so as long as you have Luca on your team, you got a chance to do whatever you want to do. But it also puts incredible, incredible pressure 
right? We've seen LeBron put incredible pressure on his teams to succeed and to put the pieces around him that he needs. And I think Luke is only 23, but he's already so good that that pressure is real. And you've seen the Mavericks, you know, they made um, the Kristaps Porzingis trade in an attempt to try and put that talent around Luka. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens uh, in the playoffs and after this year to try and keep Luka around because I think Dallas has a really, really bright future as long as Luka's on the board for them. Um, any man, it's, it's, it's been, it's been really fun to talk, talk some Mavs and uh, get to know a little bit more about the players for those who aren't as familiar Anything else? That, any any final thoughts on the Mavs that you want to leave with us, David? And you know, and if so, let us know. And then also let us know where we can find your work. And and I'll, I'll have some nice things to say about it. I promise afterwards because I do because it's it's awesome stuff. But I'll I'll leave you to it, David. I appreciate it, man. Uh, no final remarks as far as the Mavs go. I mean, obviously, I'm just gonna be watching to see how far this ship can sail but uh i really had a fun time guys i really appreciate y'all having me on i think this is a great conversation i always enjoy talking about the mavericks so it was a fun one for sure uh my twitter handle is david sidock eight uh sidock is spelled s-a-j-d-a-k um and obviously you can find my work at the swish theory uh great site that we all write for big things coming i hope um and our podcast me and tyler wilson have is called the finishing touch podcast i think we're our handle is now at finish touch pod on twitter so go ahead and give us a follow check out our podcast if you're into the draft into development we, we get into draft guys and we also get into players around the league to see how they continue to progress throughout their careers um because you know those teams need some love during this time as well um but yeah, man, uh, that's where you guys can find my stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll give it back to you, Chris. Well, I just want to say, if you guys have not listened to Tyler and David talk about development, like these guys get into it at a level I did not think was possible. Like they're really, really in-depth, really like you learn so much. Like so many podcasts these days are just kind of more about entertainment, but Tyler and David on the finishing pod, like just the finishing touch pod, just do an incredible job of helping you learn more about basketball players and how the game, like how players develop, how, how it transits on the court. Like I don't think anyone else does it at this level that I've, that I've ever listened to. So I have really high praise for, for you guys and the work that you're doing. So make sure you follow the finishing touch pod podcast, part of the switch Theory network of podcasts. It's just us two right now, but as you said, big things coming. We got more people. We're adding more people all the time. But I have nothing but but great things to say about it. And David, we're just happy to have you and, and appreciate your time talking maps today. Laro, leave it to you, buddy. Um, before we get out of here, David, I, I can't let you get out of here without me asking this question. Um what it, it oh don't don't worry. Don't worry. It's not it's not like um <laughs> I just want to know how many buckets did Luca make last? <laughs> um, what has fueled um, your love for, you know, evaluating um, draft prospects, um, and also what made you become a fan of the Dallas Mavericks? So I don't know if those two things tie together, um, but 
I kind of want to, you know, for me and also for the people that are listening and may want to tap into your your pod with Tyler, um, maybe just, you know, give a little bit background on David, you know? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I really appreciate the kind words, Chris. Uh, that means a lot. Uh, me and Tyler have a lot of fun doing the pod. So I really appreciate that. Um, as far as what got me into evaluating uh, guys, I just find I just. I really like seeing how players like development trajectories like pan out, like seeing a guy like Josh Green go from somebody that's not the most confident in the world, uh, definitely not a perfect player to the guy he is today. And then obviously like getting even or like making even more improvements is just something I find interesting and I enjoy seeing. I like seeing guys succeed. Um, and I think part of it, like you said, is a little tied to the Mavericks. I actually got into Mavericks basketball a little bit more. They're like tanking years. Uh, 2017-18 is when I really started to, to watch them on a consistent basis. Um, I'm from Dallas. That's where my, my allegiance comes from. Uh, turned on the TV, watching Dennis Smith Jr. hoop. Uh, I, I, really, I just really enjoyed his game. Uh, saw him throw it down a couple times. Like, dang, I like this dude. Uh, and from there, I just locked in on every game. Uh, the next uh, draft class, Luca was in. I liked Luca before we even drafted him. Uh, in the or when the draft lottery happened, we fall from three to five. I'm like devastated. Like there's no way we can ever get him. And then the draft night trade happens. We get him. I'm on the moon, and it's just been uh, smooth sailing. Or not smooth sailing. It's been kind of rocky, but. Uh, it's been an, a fun ride since then. Um, I really enjoyed um, beginning to post my work publicly uh, and just getting feedback and learning more from guys like you and Chris Lero. Uh, you guys, I really look up to you guys. Um, and I'm just excited to see where this, uh, this path takes me. Well, um, brother, hey, man, uh, look up higher, okay? Like, I appreciate those words, man. I really do. I really do, man. I really, really Ooh. do. But, um, no, nah, man, you're you're good at what you do, man. I just wanted to know what it, what it was because um, I feel like, you know, evaluating prospects and having uh, – not only evaluating them, but, like, actually having fun while doing it and, and liking every little – thing about it is like such a niche thing so it's like it's always really cool to uh you know hear why people feel that way you know uh, or or you know start liking you know you know because it takes time you can't just look at one game and be like oh i i know what that guy no it's like it takes time you know so it's really cool to to listen to people uh to say why they they like doing it so man again thanks for the great words man uh you know it's really cool of you to say but yeah man yeah, I appreciate everything you said. Well, thanks again, uh, David, for, for joining us to talk about Dallas Mavericks. Thank you, Laro, for joining me on another episode of Switch Theory Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Make sure and, and follow David's work, follow Switch Theory's work. We've added a number of contributors recently that we're excited to see their work. At some point in this season, I will actually do finish some of the articles i've been working on i've got like two of them that are 80 percent done and unfortunately life is is kind of gone sideways on me recently so hopefully we'll have some of that work coming out but um make sure and 
follow Swish Theory at Swish Theory. Follow Swish Theory Podcast at Swish Theory Pod and the Finishing Pod on Twitter and David's work. And we'll see you guys again. I want to say next week. <laughs> like yeah. You never know. I'm in this crazy world. We'll see you <laughs> next time. We'll say that. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.